everybody, this is Jordan Gibson. I play Dark Star on Super Knocked Up, the web series, and you're listening to Genre-tainment. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Genre-tainment on SciFiPulseRadio.com. We're your hosts, Marks. And Julie, and today we are chatting with actor Jerry Kokich, who stars as the masked super spy Super 7 in the award-winning action comedy series Adventures of Super 7. He tells us behind-the-scenes stories of this fun series about an international man of mystery and his lethal, beautiful, and reluctant partner Sandra West as they battle villains, femme fatales, monsters, robots, invading aliens, henchmen, assassins, and criminal masterminds bent on world domination. We learn how they made this award-winning homage to those great masked hero and cheesy spy flicks of the 1960s. Now, before we start the interview, we do want to point out that the music you just heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song for our web series, Reality On Demand. It's a song composed and performed by our friend Tishan Hardy, and you can find our web series at realityondemandseries.com. Now, let's get started with our featured interview for today with the star of Adventures of Super 7. Well, you're listening to Genre Entertainment, and this is Marks and Julie. And today we're speaking to one of the stars of the action comedy web series Adventures of Super Seven, Jerry Kokich. Welcome to the show, Jerry. And can you tell us a little bit about the Adventures of Super Seven and the character you play? I'd be happy to. The Adventures of Super Seven is a really tongue-in-cheek action-adventure show that uh, pays homage to some of the great spy shows of the 1960s. Um, Get Smart, The Man from UNCLE, uh, the great 007 takeoff movies like the Matt Helm series and Our Man Flint. Uh, we don't take ourselves very seriously at all. And someone described another series as straight-faced absurdity, and we've decided to adopt that as a description <laughs> of ours. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. It's it's well because you know we 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 it's funny we don't take the series very seriously, but like the characters take ourselves very seriously, without getting into like some long dissertation about you know the essence of comedy. Uh, one of my favorite comedians is Peter Sellers in the Pink Panther movies, and he took himself as a policeman incredibly seriously. He was the best detective on the force, and it made things around him absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I try to do a lot of that with Super 7. You know, the, the character himself uh, is, is a masked, costumed super spy because we all know the best way to conduct espionage is to make yourself brightly colored yeah. uh, <laughs> and stand out against the background. So that in itself sort of makes it a little bit wacky. So I try to take myself extremely seriously, even in the wackiest of circumstances, and it seems to be working. Uh, we picked up a couple of awards last year, which surprised the heck out of all of us, especially the one, and I'm, I'm not bragging, it just it surprises me that I got an outstanding award for acting, because I'm thinking, I'm not really acting as Pinter or, you know, Ibsen. I'm just out there being me, which is kind of weird. Well, congratulations. But, uh, <laughs> thank you. It was, just, it was so strange to hear my name. I'm, I'm almost like, oh, that sounds like my name. Oh, God, it is. But Super 7 is a uh, masked super spy. Uh, I work for them, a super secret uh, organization fighting the forces of evil around the world. Organizations such as they, us, <laughs> we, <Them>. our, <laughs> their. 
uh, and uh, my uh, my um, cohort, sometimes partner, freelance agent Sandra West, used to be a member of them, but decided she needed more money, and so she freelances with anyone who will pay her. Sometimes putting her on my side of the law, and sometimes putting her on the other side. And invariably, I must go rescue her from some strange predicament she's put herself in or being kidnapped by a 51-foot-tall robot gorilla. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Oh, I know. It ruins your hair. and I know. Uh, <laughs> but that was actually how we uh, ended our last season. We had a cliffhanger where poor Sandra West was kidnapped and taken away by Gorbot, a gorilla robot. It took a long time to figure out that name. Okay. That's great. The other alternative was Rorilla, which you know, was not going to be good. That at sounds all. very Scooby Doo. Rorilla. Very <laughs> <laughs> Astro from the <laughs> So, uh, so there you have you know the basic outline of, of, of who I am. I uh, again, without patting Super Seven on the back, he, he is a man of many talents. He speaks several languages. Has uh, acquired a number of hit singles. He has some best-selling gold records. He has been a movie star. He is a uh, mixed martial arts master. Uh, has a patent. Has written several books. Is a Nobel Prize winner. Has uh, helped many research scientists with uh, esoteric questions about physics and theoretical mathematics. Just your normal, everyday costume super spy. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it led to some. We were, Marks and I were watching it, and we were kind of laughing. I'm like, "Wait, is that them or they? Wait, is them good or them bad?" And we're like, "No, you're thinking of they." And then we were just like, "What a crazy conversation!" And finally, I was like, "Are we really having this conversation?" <laughs> it sounds like some of our dialogue. <laughs> I mean, it was. We were. I was seriously asking questions about. Okay, is them that? Them that? They that? And he's like, "Are we really having this conversation?" Because I'm hoping not. Now, when you say we, do you mean worldwide evil or we as in us, not United Spies, but us as in we? You see how this can get confusing? Yes. This, this, is, this is worse than who's on first, you know? Oh, believe me, that's one of our – we use that as a touchstone. If, if we could ever approach anything as brilliant as that comedy, we'd, be, we'd die happy. Oh, yeah, that is great. Now, you did mention that it is definitely a throwback to the old school spy action and how your character really embodies that retro feel. So you said that, um, I mean, obviously you did it well. You won an award. How did you prepare yourself for playing this type of character? Or did you? <laughs> well, in a way, I've been preparing myself since I was like eight. <laughs> We've all, uh, you know, we all grew up watching Matt Helm and on Flint and Get Smart and F Troop and all these wonderful TV shows and you know it's that 1960s way of, of of thinking about comedy that's you know this combination of wit and silliness and you know I've been I, I was a, a ballet dancer for 18 years uh, and a performer all my life and I've been you know an actor and musical comedy all that kind of stuff so and my parents were both in the theater so uh, performing has always been there. But I've always gravitated towards the more fun kind of performing. I you know, completely appreciate Shakespeare and uh, you know the, the, the darker aspects of acting that you might get in David Fincher films or you know Ibsen or Pinter or you know Iceman Cometh and you know, all that kind of stuff. But I've always wanted to have more fun than that. You know, sometimes that kind of acting can be extremely emotionally draining. Mm -hmm. rewarding, but very, very difficult. 
I like to have more fun. So, you know, the way I, I kind of prepared was remembering all those wonderful shows that I watched as a kid, Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, uh, the Super Argo movies, which is where Scott got the uh, inspiration for the costume itself. My costume looks you know, very much like Super Argo, who was another masked super spy, dressed brightly colored. Um, and uh, one of the first movies that Scott you know, said, you know, go back and check this out when we were first working on Super 7, was the Super Argo series. Because here's another, here's a man who, an actor who took the character very seriously, and they were much more dramatic films than ours, but there was always that tongue-in-cheek view of things. You know, I am a masked super spy, but, you know, I'm in this kind of situation where it is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> so, you know, those were the ways that I, I, I you know, prepared for things. And also the fact that, that Scott writes so well, it's a lot of the time, all I have to do is just, you know, say my lines, not bump into the furniture, and, you know, it kind of works. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned the costume. Is that a tough costume to get in and out of? <laughs> Actually, it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would think so. It's, um, you know, I, I was very fortunate. I found a website uh, called spandexman.com. <laughs> <laughs> that can go horribly wrong. <laughs> yes, yes, it could. Yes, yes, it could. But, uh, you know, we were looking at the costume, and I was like, oh, okay, that looks like it'll work. And it's it's really, really comfortable because it's a very thin spandex, which is cool in the heat and fairly warm in the cold. It's very nice. But, you know, there's a it's a zipper up the back and a zipper on the hood, and it takes a little, you know, jiggery-pokery to get into it. <laughs> um, and I used to take the costume with me to our locations or our sets and get into costume there, which, you know, was problematic if there was like a bathroom to get into. And then I realized, you know, it's it's comfortable. I'm just going to get into it at home. So I get in the costume at home. I, I don't have the mask and, and uh, the hood on, but I'll have, you know, sweatpants and a sweatshirt over it. And I'm driving around thinking, God, I hope I'm not pulled over. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm God forbid, in an accident. An accident, Rush you to the hospital. And they're like, what? <laughs> what the heck? No, you take the stuff off and they go, uh oh. But, you know, we've, it, it, it's, it's Hollywood, so no one's really going to give it a second look. And we've been out on the street sometimes, and I've been driving in the costume, you know, to do uh, in car sequences. And, you know, I'll stop at a stoplight and I'll turn and I'll look at somebody in the hood and mask, and they don't even bat an eyelash. <laughs> Oh, I love Hollywood. <laughs> I, I, I drove up to a we we uh, had a break and we needed to get lunch, so I drove with um, our special effects man to get Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I forgot I was still in the mask and balaclava, and I go up to pay, and I you know and here's my credit card, and, and and again not a second look, just oh. <laughs> Costume superheroes driving up to Kentucky Fried Chicken all the time. I would think they'd be afraid you're going to rob them since your whole face is covered. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't have blamed if they pulled a gun on me. But, but <laughs> no, there was like, you know, here's your chicken, enjoy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've always seen some of those funny YouTube clips about people playing funny pranks on people that are like, you know, working the drive-thru and everything. And we kind of uh, laughed. Some people barely reacted. And I said, that is not the strangest thing they've seen probably all day. <laughs> no. Well, did you see this one thing that was on uh, about a month or so ago? This guy made a, um, I guess call a costume of the driver's seat of his car. Yes. yes. So yeah. it looked like there was no and one driving. <laughs> there's no one driving. Oh, and people freak out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
that were weird but not quite that scary and people were like uh yeah that's nice whatever <laughs> so they yeah, seem weirder uh, i get it <laughs> <laughs> now uh how did you first get involved in this production yeah sort of what was the genesis of this well scott and i have known each other for many many years we met back in new york and worked on a couple of projects back there and he moved out to california before i did he moved out in the late 90s i came out in 1999 and then, you know, we hung out, we played poker, and, and, you know, he was working on Buffy the Vampire Slayer for a while, and I was doing the other stuff. And, uh, you know, we just kept in touch. We've you know, been very, very good friends. And Scott, uh, uh, I'm sure you know, had an injury-related stroke several years ago. And he had written um, the screenplay for Super 7 versus Dr. Diabolical uh, before his stroke. And, you know, how hard it is to get things read in Hollywood, and I kept suggesting, well, why don't we do, you know, some web trailer of, you know, a couple of the scenes or just, you know, put something together for Super 7, you know, because to, to keep him going while he was under, undergoing therapy. And, you know, we tossed ideas back and forth, and finally he decided, okay, I'm going to write some new material, and maybe we can do a web series. And up to this point, we had not talked about, you know, casting at all. When I read the Super 7 movie, the first thing I thought was, oh, I, I want to be Dr. Diabolical. That sounds like a great, you know, great part. <laughs> and, you know, Scott had, had mentioned at that point, yeah, you know, I was thinking of you for, for you know, the crazy scientist. I'm like, oh, that's, that's awesome. Thank you. You know, because I, I you know, retired from being a dancer, but I, I you know, try to keep myself in good physical condition because I've always been physically active, and I, I'm not the kind of person who's just going to sit home and get fat. Mm-hmm. But you know, it never occurred to me that I would wind up doing this. And one, you know, one day we're at lunch, and we're talking about doing uh, the Super Seven thing because we had done the 60 Second Film School parodies up until that point. We'd done three of them. We were always joking about how Hollywood tries to make things so complex, and they're not. And we did uh, 60-second film school, how to be a director, how to be a producer, how to be a fight choreographer. And so we're talking about Super 7, and he just, you know, without even missing a beat, we're talking about something else. He goes, and you'll be Super 7. And then I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm sorry. Can we hit rewind and play that back again? And he goes, yeah, you'll be Super 7. And and that was that. (laughs) uh, okay. <laughs> so he was smart. He didn't give you a chance. He didn't give you a, a choice. He gave you a chance yeah. to back out. He's like, yeah, that's how it's going to be. Okay. <laughs> he didn't, do you want to do Super 7? Or I've been thinking about you to do Super 7. Can we do test footage or what? It's like, just, you'll be Super 7. Like, we should totally like, try that approach. <laughs> yeah. The nicest thing, you know, he could possibly have done. It was really, really just a beautiful thing to do. <laughs> It's the kind of part that, you know, you read and you're like, oh, God, that would be just so much fun to do. You know, we've got fights with invisible assassins and, you know, and I'm like, just being a part of it would have been fine for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I'm this Dustin Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> now, awesome. how, yeah, how many episodes are there of the show then now? I'm trying to think. Um, a total of 28 episodes 28. over okay. uh, over what we call four seasons, because there's a joke. Our first season was 16 episodes, and Scott and I were always joking about how people will they'll do like three episodes and call it a series. And we're like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> so we decided that after the first 16 episodes, there was not going to be a second season. We were just going to go right into the third season, do one episode, which is the entire third season, and then go into the fourth season. 
<laughs> so, uh, you know, at one point we're going to refer to the, the fabled lost second season episodes. And, you know, we were thinking about joking about, uh, you know, oh, remember that episode we did with William Shatner? Yeah, it's real horrible. We lost all that footage. And... <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Cool. I like that. So are there going to be more seasons of the show, whether they're, you know, one oh, episode yeah. or 28? Oh, no. Well, right now what we're doing, Scott has cut the first season into a feature film. One of our uh, friends, Scott Levo, who's an Oscar winner for some of his uh, special effects work. He's a fight choreographer who invented an air ram to launch actors into the air, and he won uh, Oscar for that. Oh, yeah. Fun! Yeah, he authored our DVDs, and so he's uh, putting the feature film together. And Scott just wrote an episode for our new season. Uh, the first episode is Heads You Win, Tails You Die. So we have plans for several episodes, including a few one-offs. There'll be some that are um, in the Super 7 storyline and that might be part of a continuing storyline. We have a couple that we want to work on just as one-offs. We want to do uh, an homage to the Phantom, suggesting that one of Super 7's ancestors was another costumed superhero. Mm. Or and um, you know we'll keep going with new episodes. Uh, hopefully, uh, until someone decides to throw lots of money at us and take us to the next step, whatever that is, uh, or until you know we all go crazy and decide to do everything. <laughs> do you have any a action comedy? I imagine there's some funny stories. On no, this set. seems like a very serious project. I doubt they have any funny stories. Oh, no, no, we're, we're extremely serious. Nobody laughs on this. <laughs> no laughter. No laughter. <laughs> no, there's actually... Uh, <laughs> it was very funny. When we started doing it, we don't... You know, we're all very professional about it, and we all know that everybody who's donating uh, time you know, has other things to do. And that's that's really only been the, only been the, the difficult thing, uh, you know, coordinating people's schedules. But because of that, our shoot days have been very, very short, and we tried to be very efficient. And when Scott was putting together the first blooper reel, he realized that we didn't have a whole lot of bloopers in the first four episodes because no one was trying to screw things up or do you know jokey things on the set because we didn't have time. Mm-hmm. Every take we did was fairly serious. You know, it had to be like a real screw up, like you know, seeing the reflection of someone in a mirror. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're we're very, we try to be very, very serious on the set, but, you know, weird stuff happens. <laughs> it does. <laughs> well, and you, I think the, the, the magic in that is, you know, you said shorter filming days. I mean, I know from our experience, most of the bloopers are at the end of the day because after you've been at it for about 10, 12 hours, there is going to come a point where everything, no matter how serious it is, becomes funny. And you oh just get slap happy. Oh. And there's nothing you can you, – it's so hard to control it at that point. We've, we've never had a day that long. <laughs> our, our longest day was actually seven hours, and it was when we were up at Bronson Canyon, and we were freezing to death because it was like November, and poor Sandra West, poor Olivia Dunkley, my co-star, was in a short skirt and tied to a wheelchair, so she couldn't really get up and run around. Because mm-hmm. usually our, our, our longest shoot days you know, are like four or five hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, we've, we've, had, we've had some moments where our, our running gag is, is our sound issues. Not that we have problems with sound, but inv- invariably, you know, there'll be a plane overhead. <laughs> and we'll be waiting for plane, and there'll be, like, waiting for car, and it gets really silly. Waiting for submarine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, waiting that's... For craft, waiting for dog, waiting for, you know, someone's, they're doing their laundry now. You know, 
But, yeah, there's um, a lot of the sound you can't control outdoor sound no matter how hard you try. No. And and we you know we we do we do pretty well with it. And you know we're not really elaborate with our equipment. You know we don't have a separate sound mixer and we don't use a boom. Um, Scott, you know we've been shooting this on Canon camcorder, and at one point we were up in Bronson Canyon, and the sound was so good that when uh, Scott played a scene for uh, one of our producers, Andy Palmer, Andy said it sounds like it's been dubbed because there is no ambient sound at all. He had to put in wind sounds. Oh wow. <laughs> but uh, we we had some interesting moments here. You know, we had some uh, times. There was a time where we had this fantastic actress, Michelle Martonic, beautiful woman, you know, gorgeous figure, dressed as a French maid, uh, and we were shooting in the pool area of Scott's apartment building, and someone was uh, playing music very loudly. So <laughs> we were we were going to go up and ask, you know, could you not? And then we, we said, well, let's just send Michelle. So she goes up dressed in this French maid, which was not graphic. <laughs> but, um, you know, she knocks on the door and goes, you know, look, would you mind terribly? And people's faces almost fell off. Like, oh, God. Yeah. Who is this person? Yeah, you know, no one's going to say no to that, you know. <laughs> no, no, she was, she was you know, a very attractive young lady. But we luckily, we haven't had any disasters on the set. We've had some, some interesting moments. Like uh, at one point, we needed we realized we were getting a little bit more elaborate, and we needed more than just myself and Scott uh, running things. Because I've, I've run camera for scenes that I've been in. So we needed uh, some PA. So we got in touch with Santa Monica College, and they sent us you know, some very enthusiastic uh, students you know, wanting to work on a set. So one kid named Colleen Nimutlu, wonderful guy, he thought he was going to come and do typical PA work, you know, standard direct traffic. Walks out of the set. Scott hands him a set of coveralls and a machine gun and says, okay, put these on. You're going to go over there and you're going to get nerve pinched by Jerry. <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a PA. It's like, no, now you're an actor and then you're going to be doing um, camera work for the rest of the day. That's great. you got to be flexible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and he, he was fantastic. He was wonderful. Uh, now, everybody okay. in the uh, show has done everything. You know, um, we've had producers be on set. We've had producers be voices. Uh, we've had our PAs wearing wigs and pretending to be, you know, a Sandra West double. It's, you know. <laughs> That's great. Great <laughs> uh, times. Now, was no, there. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to ask, is there a favorite episode or a favorite scene that you have that you were involved in? Um, yeah, it's going to sound really conceited. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I was always a great fan of the uh, Patrick McGowan TV series in the 1960s, The Prisoner. And we wanted to do a takeoff on The Prisoner. And the way it started, I thought, you know, why don't we just do an opening sequence that's a shot-for-shot remake of the opening sequence of The Prisoner, but with us. And Scott was like, oh, that's really cool. And then as we got closer to doing this, he goes, you know, you're really close to the source material. Why don't you write the whole episode and direct it? And I'm like, oh, what? This is like, you know, it'll, it'll be Super 7. You know, I don't want to do this. So um, so I wrote this episode. You know, I studied my, my DVDs of The Prisoner. And I wrote this episode. Uh, and... I had to go out and do some location footage at Point Doom in you know black jacket and pants, you know, like a, a business suit and the balaclava and helmet. So there I am walking around the beach, photographing myself, 
everyone else is in beach attire, and I'm dressed in black with a you know a mask and a beach ball because that was our our rover. Uh, <laughs> but one out there did that. Only got one or two strange looks from the police, but they're probably like, "Oh, it's Hollywood. Who cares?" <laughs> <laughs> we did this, so I did the, that location footage all by myself, and then I came back and, and we did this other stuff uh, at Scott's place. That's where we had the French made. When I was writing the episode, I, I, you know, I had no idea how to end it because you know I'm trying to uh, compress the entire Prisoner TV series into eight minutes. What could go um, wrong? What could go? Of course. <laughs> and actually, two things went wrong that didn't go wrong with the entire rest of the series, which I'll get to. But uh, I'm writing the series at one point. I'm like, how do I finish this episode? It's just I don't know what to do with it. And then I went, uh oh, dance number. So at one point, it just degenerates into a dance number led by Super Seven and four gorgeous women. <laughs> so course, that is my favorite scene, obviously. <laughs> Beautiful women. But the, the two the two things that happened in that in that episode that didn't happen anywhere else in the series. We have been blessed by the weather gods. The worst it's been was the cold day I mentioned up at Bronson Canyon. Mm-hmm. But we had never been rained out. Uh, we had never been thrown out of a location. Nothing. In fact, there was a there's a Chinese restaurant closed and abandoned on the way up to Universal Studios, and we went up there and shot exteriors twice, two separate days. One day we were there for like an hour and a half, just myself and Scott. And the next day we were, we were there for like two hours with Olivia Dunkley. And, you know, nobody bothered us, you know. And it's it's right down um, the the hill from the entrance to Universal Studios. There's traffic going by all the time. At one point, this cab just drives slowly through the shop. Not stopping, just drove through. <laughs> but, you know, we, ne- we didn't get thrown out of there. And a friend of ours went up and tried to use the same location. Five minutes after he was there, they threw him out. Uh-huh. So. We were very lucky until we're shooting my homage episode to The Prisoner. First day, we, you know, I had these actors. It rains. Mm. So we had postponed it. I'm like, great. We've been shooting this series for over a year, and the first time it rains is my episode. Thank you very <laughs> much. Next thing, we, if you've watched the episodes, you'll see the same parking garage over and over and over again. It's in Scott's building. And no one ever minded, you know, if people were driving in, we've never had elaborate lighting setups, you know, we have like one additional light, and if people drove in, we all scurried like roaches in the light to move things. So after we finished shooting this episode, somebody complains and we can't shoot in Scott's parking garage anymore. Oh, no. So the two disasters, I'm responsible for. (laughs) Thanks. It's hard not to take that personally. Good going, Super 7. Changed to um, Andy Palmer's parking parking garage, but um, yeah, so that that's my favorite episode. Unfortunately, it is the one I wrote and directed, and I'm so sorry. I mean, I had so many other favorite episodes, though. You know, uh, the woman who does my uh, assistant, Sparky, and Layton, who is a, a brilliant, brilliant actress, was just uh, in Gangster Squad. She did an episode of Vegas. She was on Young and the Restless. She's this beautiful redhead who I ran into and. At a, at a Starbucks, because I was writing an episode and I needed, you know, a redheaded actress, and she was standing right there. And I turned her and I said, "Excuse me, are you an actress? This is going to sound really tacky, but I'm working on a web series." And you know, every episode I do with her, she is so damn funny. She is one of the most natural comedians you will ever meet. She is hysterical. <laughs> so you know, any episode where I get to work with her, 
is, you know, a delight. And Olivia Dunkley and I have known each other for many years. We used to work at Universal together. Um, and one of the, I think, the uh, most interesting parts and most fun parts of our series are our scenes together, you know, where we have this little interaction. Because we decided, um, and Scott kind of let us go with this, that our characters are divorced. We were married at one point. <laughs> we had this, you know, banter back and forth, and we sniped at each other. So, you know, the episodes that I do with her are, are also my favorite episodes. And, and we've been lucky enough to have some really wonderful uh, guest artists come in. You know, we, we've had gorgeous women like Michelle Martonic and Elena Bredesevich and Kelly Delson, these wonderful people. And I've had some great fight scenes with Andy Palmer. He was the first one uh, that I had a fight scene with. And our recurring villain, villainess, Michelle Gonzalez, who is just one of those multi-talented people you cannot stand. <laughs> she, <laughs> she is, she's beautiful. She's a wonderful actress. The first day on the set, she had one scene. She came with seven different changes of costume. She said, I didn't know what you would like. <laughs> um, she's a martial artist. She's a gymnast. She's a stunt woman. She is a, an opera, a trained operatic uh, soprano. She plays the violin. She's scary. So she's um, Super 7 in real life. She really is. I mean, she can do all this stuff. She speaks four languages. And, and we had one episode, and that was another fun episode, where uh, I got to speak French. Uh, she got to speak German and Italian. And that was another fun episode to do. But, uh, you know, I, I've been so fortunate to work with all these wonderful people, some fantastic stuntmen who make me look like I actually know what I'm doing, that even though I have one special favorite episode the rest are my favorites as well we've had such a great friggin' time to do this i mean i did a scene in a space capsule <laughs> how, could, how could you not love this stuff <laughs> yeah now you have obviously a lot of acting experience and like you said been in the performing arts pretty much your whole life are there any whether it's specific for web series or just in general um any advice like big do's or don'ts for any actors and upcoming actors out there? I think my, the biggest thing that Scott and I are both concerned about, and, and my friend T.J. Glenn, who's a wonderful writer back in New York, is that people waste time. We got on a rhythm in our first season where we would shoot an episode on Tuesday and it would be up on YouTube by that Friday. Hmm. You know, so many actors and writers and directors and producers who put roadblocks in front of themselves that they don't need to do. I had this one talent, very talented friend. Uh, he came up with an idea for a web series, and it was very funny, and he's a great comedian, and he found you know, a good set, you know, set in a high school, he was going to be able to shoot on the weekends, and all that kind of stuff. In the time that we shot 16 episodes, put out a DVD, and got awards, he had shot one minute of an Indiegogo pitch for financing. Oh, wow. wow. And he, yeah, and the only reason was that he got bogged down in all these unnecessary details. You know, I, know, I need to use the red camera. I need to use this. I need to, it's like, no, just do it. I, did, I wrote an article on um, no-budget filmmaking, and the gist of the article is if you've got an iPhone or any smartphone, you have everything you need to make a web series. And there's no reason to not do it, because these days, you know, pictures and resumes, yeah, we still have those, but your calling card in the industry is going to be something that people can click on and watch. And a yeah. web series can be seen all over the world. We have fans in Germany and Argentina and China simply because of YouTube. And 
So my, my big advice to any actor, producer, creative person these days is don't let anything slow you down. If you've got a project, do it. Write it, film it. Digital footage is free. If you don't like it, you can delete it. Nobody knows. If it's good, you stick it on YouTube, and you might be the next Gundam-style video and get a million views in two days, and you're, you've got a feature film contract. So, <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Yes. And it happens. It really happens. But it only happens for those people who get off their butts and do it. I mean, look at Scott. Scott is in a wheelchair. He has written, directed, edited, choreographed fight scenes. He taught Olivia Dunkley how to fight with a sword from his wheelchair. And, you know, I know people who are fully functional and take six months to do 30 seconds worth of work. It's like, no, get off your butt, do it. (laughs) That's that's very good advice. Yes, for sure. What do you think of the web series format? I mean, do you think um, it's the future? Was it an adjustment? I don't know what, what other formats you've acted in before, but is it a kind of adjustment compared to to film or uh, one-hour TV? The the nuts and bolts of putting it together are different from, uh, you know, like a feature film, but only very slightly. You know, you're still, you're on camera, you know, you're still dealing with all the, the uh, lighting and angles and sound and all that kind of stuff. I think, I think web series are, are brilliant. Right now, it's at the point where there are so many, it's hard to weed through them. Mm-hmm. But it's, it is, it's a very democratic grassroots way of getting creative possibilities into the hands of people who might normally not have them. You know, since in the days of film, you know, I chop stuff on film and I'm like, thank God for digital photography because you know instantly if it's worked or not. It's hell of a lot easier to process and incredibly cheap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One cameraman wanted to shoot an episode on 16mm, or Super 8 actually, and it would have cost us like $1,500 just for processing as opposed to nothing for digital film. Mm-hmm. So I think the web series format is brilliant for people to be able to get their work out there. It's difficult, you know, if you're doing a series that everybody else is doing, you know, you've got to do something different. One of the things that we like to say is that, you know, ours is not a soap opera talking head series. We've had fight sequences, sword fights, chase scenes, uh, women in bikinis. We set a person on fire. We've got high falls. And this makes it, you know, different. Because if you just go out there with a run-of-the-mill storyline, it will get lost because there's so many millions of web series. But if you've got something different, something entertaining, uh, you will get seen a lot more than if you, you know, were trying to put together a feature film for distribution to festivals or anything like that. And I keep telling people, you know, if you have an idea for something, do a web series about it. Do something that's on the Internet because... So let's say you have a feature film that goes to a festival. It might be seen by a few hundred people and maybe get distributed. But if you put something on the web, it is available to literally billions of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so what we've talked about before is, you know, we still will do the film festival circuit, but we've backed off because, you know, you pay all this money for the chance that maybe it'll be shown at one film festival one time in front of, you know, a handful of people. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we can put it up on the web and go, here it is. Anybody wants to check it out? <laughs> and, and we've gotten, uh, Scott's uh, gotten offers for um, our stuff to be shown in England. We've had people from, David Foster is the guy who does a lot of our artwork in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Magnus Sellergan, who's a composer, found us on the web, and he's in uh, he's in Sweden. You know, we found Doug Drexler, one of our uh, the guy who does our a lot of our special effects, found us by accident. He just we got an email one day, and he said, "Oh, I found you guys on YouTube, and I love you. I do I do special effects on computers, and I'd love to help you." And we thought he's just some geek with a computer, and then we researched him. And he won two Emmys for Galactica and the Oscar for special effects makeup for Dick Tracy. Yeah. Yeah, we this actually not, know Doug Drexler. <laughs> we've had him on the show before, so it's pretty cool. He's amazing. He's a big fan of the series. And without the web series, you know, YouTube, funnier die uh, options, we never would have found him. We wouldn't have, you know, if we'd gone to a, a film festival, we never would have found him. Yeah. So all these, you know, it's, it's, you, you have to get, Scene. You have to get out there, and you know the internet's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it certainly is more of a leveling field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, there are a lot of stunts and fight scenes. Is there? Is all the actors, you know, also have stunt backgrounds, or, or how does that work? How long does it take to choreograph some of those fights? Well, uh, Scott's very efficient about that. Usually, we try to work to our actors' strengths. One of the, one of the pitfalls of writing something is if you write something grandiose. You know, if you need a 747, now you got to go find a 747. But if you go, okay, what have I got? I'll write to that. And, you know, you'll think of, oh, okay, I know these actors, and I know these actors, and I can write to their strength. And, you know, I was a dancer and a martial artist, and I've done, you know, stunts, so I had that background. Olivia Dunkley was a dancer. Uh, she's a belly dancer, by the way, and fantastic. So she has, you know, the body coordination that you can adapt to fight scenes. You know, she learned to do um, fight scenes with Michelle Gonzalez, who's a martial artist. And, you know, Scott taught her uh, some stuff, and she picked it up very quickly. Uh, Andy Palmer uh, has been, you know, a stuntman in the industry for many, many years, and he's always bringing in people who are, you know, professional stunt people. And we've had, we did um, one episode up in Bob Yerke. Bob Yerke's been doing um, stunts for Hollywood for many, many years. He used to do Circus of the Stars. And so his backyard looks like a circus. He's got, you know, trampolines and high wires and high falls. And we got together a group of professional stuntmen who just, you know, knew Scott Leva and knew Scott Rhodes. And, and you know, we said, we'd love to use you for this. And they're like, oh, yeah, this sounds like a lot of fun. So, you know, we try and get as many people as possible who really know their stuff because, you know, we are not, we have no budget to pay people. We have, you know, we need to take care of people. We need to know that someone can do something and do it quickly and professionally so that we don't spend six hours you know, on one stunt. Mm-hmm. I think the time we took was um, lathering up one guy with you know, the gel that you put on people for fire burns to protect mm-hmm. them from being burnt. We did like two burns of that, so that took like an hour. But that was like the longest time we spent on any one particular stunt. Yeah. Yes, fire safety is key. <laughs> <laughs> well, I we had him right we had a right there swimming pool, and the whole thing was, you know, he's burning, and and we told you, know, the instant you feel it's time to go into the pool, you dive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we liked that one. I wanted to ask about this one episode, I, t- number twenty something, twenty three maybe, something like that. It's it's the one where it's twenty four. It's like a blend between something else, another show. I imagine it's footage from another show, combined we, with uh, your like they're in a lab and. Yeah, where the yeah where something stolen from the lab. Mm-hmm. I was wondering how that was done and what where that footage is is from. I was kind of curious. Scott has an amazing eclectic collection of films from the '60s and '70s, and he has a wonderful eye for using stock footage. And and, and you know he's very 
conscious of the legalities of all the stuff involved. So we only use footage from uh, in public domain films. And, you know, he, from watching and just from his memory, he'll write a script and he'll go, okay, and I need this kind of stock footage. Where can I find it? And he will seamlessly integrate shots from obscure movies that you've never heard of <laughs> in our stuff. And, there's, uh, and, and some of it is just, it's really amazing. In, in the last episode uh, of this past season, there's a scene where Gorbot, played by yours truly, and I can't tell you how happy I was to finally be a gorilla robot. <laughs> <laughs> it's everyone's dream. Yeah, you know, life is not complete. For years. So there's one section where I pick up a tank, a toy tank, and I toss it off screen. And Scott was very specific. He said, okay, you need, can you hold it this way, and can you turn it at this angle and toss it this way? And at first I was thinking, he's being really picky about this, but, you know, he's the director, so what the heck. And he integrated that with some footage from one of the Japanese monster films where a tank is thrown through the air and crushes a house. Oh. And he, when you watch it, the angle of the way he had me throw it seamlessly integrates with the angle of the, the tank flying through the air and crushing this house. That's great. <laughs> It's, it's amazing. He really is a fantastic editor. And he will do that with all these these, uh, these bits of stock footage. You know, you'll see you know, one of us will punch somebody and another body will go flying away. Or, you know, we'll be in a lab where, uh, you know, I'm holding a gun on, I think it was Dr. Yes at one point. And, you know, I'll be machine gunning him. And then you cut to the stock footage of him being machine gunned. And the angles work. And, you know, the color works, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's all Scott's knowledge of these obscure films and usage of stock footage. Hmm. That's pretty cool. That is. The creative use of low budget. I like it. <laughs> well, there was, it's funny. On, on Facebook at one point, someone was uh, asking, you know, I need to get some sunset footage. What, you know, what T-stop shall I use? You know, what filter shall I use? Blah, blah, blah. And I just said, use stock footage. Mm-hmm. There are places on the web you can you know you can just type in free stock footage sunset and you'll get thousands of hits. Hmm. Oh wow! And, 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 and then it's done. It's easy. You don't have to worry about it. You know, you download it and you're you're set. Excellent. Good advice. I like that. Yeah. Well, I like the blending. That is very unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With with your stunt background and everyone else's stunt background, how would you suggest for an actor who wants to get into stunt work? How do you break into something like that? Stunt work is actually, it's really hard to get into. Um, you know, for one, it's, you really have to know your stuff. And two, you really have to know people. There are schools where you can learn stunt work, but a lot of it is word of mouth. You know, if you, you train with the right people, uh, someone will go, oh, yeah, I know so-and-so, and they need this and this and this. And a lot of the times, it's how you look, because most of the time, stunt work is doubling another actor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're, if you look like Harrison Ford, if you look like Shia LaBeouf, if you look like you know, these people, you have a, a more of an in to get into it. But, you know, you usually have to have a background either of gymnastics or martial arts, some kind of real physical stuff, uh, you know, football, that kind of thing, uh, in order to take the pounding. And then you have to go to a stunt school to learn the real specific techniques because it's not just, you know, how tough you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's learning stage combat, you know, how to make it look like you're taking a punch. It's learning how to fall properly so that you can do it, you know, five, six, seven times. It's learning how to work off an air ram like Scott Leva's machine or how to fall into uh, an airbag. 
but there are stunt schools that you, you need to get, you, you, if someone really wants to do it, and there are stunt schools to go to to learn all this stuff. Mm-hmm. My advice would be don't do it, become an actor, because it's safer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like I, how you think. I, I appreciate stuntmen. My God, they are amazing people. I I know I know the guy who was um, one of the doubles for Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man uh, shows, and this is the kind of guy who can stand there and do you know a standing back double summy right in front of you. Guys <laughs> are amazing, but it's really freaking dangerous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean it's terrifying. You know, we've done some things that I have, uh, you know, a couple of times I've said to Scott, I'm I I can't do this. You know, I would like to be able to try, but I can't. <laughs> I'm not that good. My ego says go for it, but reality's saying nah. <laughs> Actually, there is one funny story. The episode Operation Floorplay, where Sandra and I have this witty repartee as we're having a sword fight. We did it once, and it was the first time we had used a new camera indoors, and the footage did not work. Hmm. And we spent like four or five hours you know, doing this this wonderfully choreographed scene that, that Scott choreographed. And we finished it, and we thought it was done. And you know, the, every day after footage, Scott would call me when he checked on it saying, you know, oh, the footage looks great. Everything's fine. This is a day he called me and goes, oh, God, the footage looks awful. We have to do it again. Now, I hadn't told him this, and I didn't until we had finished it, but one of the things that terrifies me is fencing. (laughs) I can fight with a katana or a broadsword or anything like that, but, you know, the tiny, pointy, sharp, stabby things... I can fence, but they, they absolutely terrify me if I'm not wearing a fencer's mask. Right. So You'll poke your eye out. <laughs> you just imagine it going right into your eye. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I had gotten home at the end of that day going, oh, thank God that's over with. We don't have to do that ever again. And then I get this phone call, and I'm like, oh, you are kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> Even the next day, we had to wait two days. So I'm like, you know, shame. So we had to do the scene again. And again, you know, I'm, I have to be super soon. I fear nothing. I'm completely capable and in control of every situation. And I'm just shaking in the boots through the whole day. <laughs> so, you know, this is one of those things where I'm like, you know, yeah, you want to be a stuntman? Go to acting school. Be an actor. It's safer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, for actors who um, want to be able to do some of their own, you know, fight scenes and things like that, what would you recommend that they learn? Well, now, that's that's something that I do definitely suggest, you know, because uh, in the big stunts, obviously, you want the stuntman to do it for two mm-hmm. reasons. They're pros, and two, you know, the actor, if the actor gets injured, it can really you know, screw up a production. Mm-hmm. But um, learning stage combat is extremely valuable because the way a friend of mine describes it, uh, TJ Glenn, he describes it as, I can teach you how to look like you're being beaten up, mm-hmm. but completely safe. Yeah. And, uh, that is something that's extremely important because martial artists are trained to inflict damage. Stage combat, you're trained to avoid inflicting damage. So sometimes it's hard to teach a martial artist to do stage combat because it's completely against what he's been, what he's been trained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've run across that as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> Did you have someone like actually try and injure you? <laughs> well, actually, when Marks and I, we took a little bit of stage combat, and we he has an extensive martial art background. I have some. And uh, we kept going, this is so weird. Like, I'm trying not to hit you. That is <laughs> It is difficult. And then there have been some other martial artists that we know that. And you, and you have to telegraph. In, uh, yeah. 
film when you're not and you're to you're taught in martial arts not to telegraph your next shot, so you just like throw it as fast a punch and not telegraph it, and then we're laughing about how we're doing these ridiculous haymakers, and that's what you're supposed to do, and it's a different way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Exactly, it's you're, you're describing it exactly the way I describe it to people. You know, in martial arts, you know, you 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 want to hide your intentions. You don't want to make eye contact. You don't want the person to know what you're doing. And in stage combat. Everybody has to know exactly what's going on. You make eye contact. You rehearse it. So, if, and and if something goes wrong, you stop. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually I teach ballet right now, and we did uh, a production of Peter Pan last year, and I choreographed the fight scenes. And it was so much fun working with these young ballet dancers, teaching them how to pretend fight. They really loved it. They got into it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds but, great. I always I always tell actors, you know, it is good to be able to do a fight scene so that they can do some kind of close-ups on you and you go, ooh, wow, they really can fight. Like Sarah Michelle Geller was a brown belt in Taekwondo and did some wonderful stage combat in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. It really, you know, it, it's it's not bad because, you know, most people when they go to the, to the movies or they're watching TV, they don't expect their, you know, Scott Kahn or Alex O'Loughlin or Lucy Liu to really do the dangerous fight scenes. Mm-mm. So they're okay with, you know, oh, he didn't do that backflip. I'm fine with that. But, if there are a couple of scenes where you see him actually throwing a punch, it's really exciting. So, yeah, it's your basic stuff. You need to be able to throw a punch, take a hit, make it look like you're the one doing, you know, the lion's share of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And there, there are great schools out there. You know, most uh, good acting schools will have some kind of stage combat involved. If you're, if you're studying Shakespeare, you cannot get away from learning how to sword fight. Right. Um, you know, or some of the more uh, some of the more comedic ones. They're they're wonderful. You know, tavern brawls and all that kind of stuff, and it's it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that has to be choreographed down to like the half beat. I mean, it, it's very it is similar to dance choreography because it's like you do this two three, and you actually will be counting out your fight moves as you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and we'll rehearse it over and over again at like quarter speed and then half, half speed. speed. Yeah. And we'll like. Is, is everybody on the same page? You know, if you, if, and, and I'll tell, uh, you know, if I'm in a fight scene with anybody, I'm like, if there's any moment where you feel something is going wrong, you just step back and say, stop, and we are fine with it. Yeah. And we don't, I mean, it's, it's better to be safe than to catch, you know, I, I've, I've been hit, you know, by accident, and, you know, it's, it's rarely debilitating or dangerous, but, you it know, could it's, be. <laughs> be so careful. That's got to be so careful. Yeah, you don't want to get a black eye on your face, or yeah, that uh, that could be or... difficult for continuity. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you think about it, it's so difficult for you know your production designer or your production manager to set things up because in an ideal world, you do your fight scenes first in the day when everyone's fresh and everyone's alert. Mm-hmm. But the danger is if you do a fight scene first in the day and something goes wrong, you know, you got to like you say, you have an actor with a black eye. What do you do for the rest of the day? Mm-hmm. But you can't put the fight scenes at the end of the day when people are tired because that's when it's the most dangerous. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff has to be really, really addressed as this is a dangerous thing. We have to make it very, very safe. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, is there anything else you'd like to, to add? Uh, well, you guys have been great. You're you're so easy as, as interviewers. You're wonderful. So you've made this you know, really an enjoyable, uh, really enjoyable afternoon. Oh, well, thank um, you. The pleasure is all ours. <laughs> Um, you know, I want to say that, you know, obviously I want to plug the series. You know, our website is super7spy.com, and that's S-U-P-E-R, the number 7, E-V-E-N, dot, uh, spy.com. 
We're on YouTube. You can search Super 7, The Adventures of Super 7. Or, of course, you can search my name, Jerry Kokage, because that should come up somewhere. Um, We're on Funny or Die. We're on the Webisodes Network. We are up for several awards at this year's LA Webfest, which is where we won uh, four awards last year. Um, We have our two-disc, not two-disc, it's six-disc second-season DVD available. Uh, from the website, it's got all 28 episodes, blooper reels, cast and crew interviews, artwork, all that kind of stuff. That's available. Um, we're working on the feature film, which is entitled "They Call Me Super Seven. <laughs> That's going to be. I know it's wonderful. It's just. <laughs> oh wait, wait. Is it they or they? <laughs> oh no! Oh, what about man. them? <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> I told you guys are wonderful. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's kind of how our conversations go when we're not on the radio. <laughs> so, you, you never know. We, they, we, them, us, how yeah. No. We should get you guys on the series one at one point to do some silly dialogue like that. that would be <laughs> we love it. <laughs> well, you guys say you have you have martial arts backgrounds, right? So, you know, we need to get you on the show and do like a fight scene. There we, go. we do. That would be fun. <laughs> Julie Marks, thank you so much. This has been great. Hi, I'm indie actress Jen Page from Dorkness Rising, Geek Seekers, Chop Saki Boom, and more, and you're listening to Genretainment. Well, thank you to Jerry for taking the time to chat with us, and we wish him luck on Adventures of Super 7 and other future projects. So that's it for today's Genretainment. Check back next week with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series. Next week, we have writer Christopher Vogler on the show discussing his international best-selling book, The Writer's Journey, Mythic Structure for Writers. Now, the book explores the relationship between mythology and modern storytelling in a clear, concise style, showing common structural elements found universally in myths, fairy tales, dreams, and movies to help you become a better writer. And just a few days ago, Marks and Ian spoke with actor and producer Robert Lee Schock in a special crossover episode of Genretainment and SFP Now. Now, many of you may know him better as Liam Kincaid on Earth Final Conflict, and he talks about his movie and development, God Machine, so feel free to check that episode out as well. And don't forget, you can check out all of our past episodes of Genretainment in the archives at scifipulseradio.com. You can also check out the other great shows on this channel like SFP Now, The Roundtable, and Jeff Trek. Genretainment will be back right here on this channel next week, and a big thanks from all of us to all of you out there for listening. Until Until next time. time...